Loading Nerd Track Program. Listen when ready. All right. I'm going to skip the witty banter before our, our opening this time because we have a guest. And these are good episodes, so we're just going to oh, dive right in. But I kind of had a good one. I was going to say this one is a decent episode. Well, you can that's not you can save it for when we talk about the episode, David. <laughs> Jeez, David. All right. Welcome to the Nerd Trek Podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I am Jeff, and I'm here with Phil. Hey, everybody. And David. I don't think Jeff got my play on words. Descent and decent are spelled the same way. It's a decent episode. We're not watching this, we're that. Not, we're watching, watching Gambit. We're watching Gambit. <laughs> High quality. Uh, uh, hold on. Professional. <laughs> watch the episodes. Damn, we are pros. <laughs> I don't care. We're still going. Let's nope, go. We were just, nope, every, I watched every, the right every, ones. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Sorry. Done how many hundreds of episodes now? <laughs> wow. Um Okay, at least change my memory alpha. Let me make sure I got that. Okay, here we go. Switch that up. All right. <laughs> High class operation. At All least right. you watched the right episodes this time. More importantly, we have a guest with us this week. Welcome, Tony. How are you? Yay! Greetings. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Um, I'm I'm going to fanboy out a little bit here first before we dive in. Um, um, so if people don't know, but you... You run Hero Within, uh, a great nerd uh, clothing company. I, I at WonderCon I bought the bomber jacket and the pants, and I love like I just live in those those pants. I love them so much. <laughs> which uh, which bomber jacket did you get? Um, I got the red one. So the okay. upper card Janeway Cisco. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know. I'm kind of hoping. I'm. I I wish I didn't buy it going into summer. Like I want it to be winter again, so I can wear it. <laughs> Just crank well, out your so air conditioning and pretend. It was, it was so great to be back at WonderCon. You know, it had been you know it was three years since the previous WonderCon. Yeah. So it was just uh, it was just awesome to be back with fans again and to to nerd out with other other Trekkies and just to you know just enjoy. It wasn't quite the WonderCon that we're all used to, but it was just it was just great to be finally be back. Absolutely. Yeah, and, it, it uh, seemed a little bit more subdued a bit. I don't think it was quite as busy, but it yeah. was nice to to be back. It's it's my favorite yeah. con. Yeah. Well, after what we've all been through for the past few years, uh, I told myself that uh, I'll never complain about a con again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, but then you had a busy, you did that, and then you went to Star Trek uh, Chicago, Mission Chicago. Yeah. And yeah. That, oh, wow. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm sure that must have been fun. Yeah, it was great. You know, it was there. Um, so this was Paramount's first uh, like official Star Trek convention that they've had in in years. They partnered with Reed Pop, and, um, and and they hosted it in in Chicago at the, at the, um, the what's it called the the 
Stephen J. Dawson Center, whatever. But um, but yeah, you know, it was uh, it was great uh, to to sort of be there for the inaugural event, and uh, you know, it still felt like a um, a first year con. I mean, there was definitely some mm. some strengths and some positive highlights, and then you know, just there are some things that they're probably as a first year sort of working out, and and uh, um, I, I I I have very like positive feelings that in the next uh you know few years it's going to be quite the quite the place to be um so although with that being said I, I, their strategy is to move cities year after year so this year is chicago and then next year they announce it's going to be in seattle yeah so um so you know it's going to be interesting to, to um to, to see it move around and see how it grows their vision is for it to be sort of the next Star Wars celebration um, version for for Star Trek. So, uh, but yeah, it was great for us, and uh, the fan response was awesome. And um, uh, you know, again, just coming off of WonderCon six days prior, it was it was just like I just felt like I was living a high for about two weeks there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was it was, it was a, a lot of fun. That's really that's cool. great. I I think my favorite thing to come out of that is. Um, you get the the picture of Kate Mulgrew wearing that red bomber jacket yeah, is just yeah. classic. Oh, that's I tell awesome. you, it was really cool. We were in her booth, and uh, an older gentleman came by and just was looking at her stuff and and said, "Hey, I'm Kate Mulgrew's husband, and I love your I love what you got going on here. Uh, would you like to you know come over and and uh, take a picture with uh, Kate and one of your jackets and." I, was, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess I guess we could do that. <laughs> so uh, we, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I guess so we, you know, he took us right over there. She was she was busy signing, and um, you know, we we put a jacket on her, and she loved it. She was very complimentary of it. We chatted for a few minutes, and she took a couple of pics, and yeah, she was very lovely. So I was, that's really cool. It was definitely a, a highlight of the weekend. Absolutely. Um, I think what I like about your stuff is that it's just like, it's just pure like fan. Like you've got some Dr. Who stuff, some Star Trek stuff. And it's just like, yeah. I, it's always like that. I want to express my fandom, but in kind of like everyday wear and just, yeah. and if someone recognizes it, then you're like, okay, you're a fan. Like you're cool. Yeah. yeah that was the whole reason why we started here with Anne is that uh, a few years ago, you know, I've been going to conventions for, I mean, over I mean, 10, 15 years now. And, and um for the longest time if you wanted to express your fandom it was just basically a black t-shirt and hoodie kind of thing and and it really wasn't a way if you were like let's say going to work or going out socially or whatever that there wasn't really really wasn't a way to express your fandom in a way that was more subtle and more Mm -hmm. sophisticated and more fashionable and all that so so after a while, just kind of looking out in the market, I just I felt like, wow, maybe maybe I can't find anything. So I thought, well, maybe I should start something. So, mm-hmm. you know, after a little while of just sort of trial and error, we kind of stumbled into here within, and it was, you know, not, while while my background is in graphic design, it's not necessarily in fashion design, and so you know, it wasn't necessarily a path that I kind of hadn't mapped out, you know, for a long time. But it was just one of those happy accidents that merge my love for conventions, my love for fashion and my love for pop culture. It just sort of all came together a few years ago. And, 
um, I've been so grateful um, ever since. Wow. That's awesome. And it's no, but it's, it's such a good thing. And I'm glad that you do it because um, yeah, just being able to wear something nerdy and, you know, fun every day is just, that, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we get a lot of, um, we definitely get a lot of fans that write into us and just, just really express their gratitude because, um, you know, everything from I could finally wear this to work or the spouse or partner or girlfriend, boyfriend who say, I'm so sick of, you know, my significant other who has like a stack of black t-shirts that go all the way up to my head. And I'm just, <laughs> so thank you for, for providing something that's just different that he or she could wear. And, and so, uh, so it's, 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 uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to provide something of value for fans and, we're hoping we can just continue to, to do so for a long time. Absolutely. Wow. No, I, well, yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. For years, years to come. Yep. You have our support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and money. Hey, yeah. Hey, if you ever need models for the, uh, the, uh, two X sizes, I will, I will volunteer my time. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Deal. Um, well, I know we, we dragged you here to talk about some star Trek. Um, but let's, so how did you get into star Trek? Uh, you know, I have a very like personal and sense relationship with Star Trek because I, I was a fan, I mean, ever since, like, uh, you know, from the very beginning. And so, you know, the uh, I was kind of a, I, I kind of casually watched, I mean, I, when I was very, very little, I was casually watching the 60s run, the, the, you know, the, the, the original series run. But it wasn't until they announced, um, my brother, my older brother um, told me that they're making a Star Trek movie, you know, the, the motion picture. And, you know, I was, I was very young, but me trying to wrap my head around the fact that there's this TV show that's now been, it's been off the air for a little while, um, that they were bringing the cast back to make a movie about all the same characters on the big, you know, on the, on the, on the big screen. Mm-hmm. It, that, that just blew my, my mind. I just couldn't believe that they were, you know, that they were do, doing something like this. And so, you know, all the while I was a fan of Star Wars, like all my friends were all like hardcore Star Wars fans. I became a, a giant Trekkie. You know, like I just thought that, um, you know, even as a young kid, I thought I loved Star Trek the motion picture. And um, you know, the uh, the thing for me what makes Star Trek so special was the fact that, you know, growing up, uh, my parents immigrated here from Korea about a year before I was born. And we lived in, uh, when I say here, I, I grew up in, um, in Dallas, the Dallas, Texas area. And, you know, I was the only, I, I, not only was I the only, like, the only Asian, but I was, like, the only, like, other in my entire school, you know. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I experienced a lot of racism. I experienced a lot of, like, mar- being marginalized and misunderstood. And, um, you know, just, I felt alone and felt different. And... Um, my parents were very kind of typical immigrant parents where they were working all the time and it kind of left me to myself. A lot of the, you know, just kind of left me to sort of explore by myself and I kind of fell into pop culture. That was sort of my, um, that was my escape. And so, you know, when I was in, you know, reading comics and watching TV and looking at movies, you know, I never really found, well, as much as I loved it, I never really found anyone that looked like me, you know, like, they all look like the people around me, but they never really looked like me. Oh, and so yeah. I started watching Star Trek, 
and there, there's this guy that's like driving the ship, you know, and his name is <laughs> And, you know, honestly, he was the first, um, you know, representation at a young age that I saw that wasn't a guy who was like the martial arts experts or whatever, but, but, you know, he was, you know, part of this, not just the only, um, the only one represented, but a part of a very diverse cast, right? Yeah. Where, where Roddenberry's vision was that as mankind, that, you know, you, they wouldn't be experiencing racism and there would be no division, that there would be people of all color and all, um, you know, species, you know, coming together. And so that sort of, um, that sort of vision, um, I feel like really impacted me as, as a young kid who was really struggling with my own identity and really struggling with, you know, um, my, my, my skin color and who I was and all that. So, um, you know, as I kind of grew up and grew into, uh, you know, a, a young adult, um, a teenager and a young adult, I felt like the visions and values of Star Trek really like informed much of who I would become. And yeah. so, um, so, so to me, Star Trek is so much more than just like a, you know, fun, nerdy sort of thing, but it, it really, it really helped me, um, sort of center myself and really see that, you know, the future is a, a bright place. I just have to sort of like believe in a better tomorrow. And so, um, but yeah, you know, I was a, a giant fan of, of the, the motion picture and of course Star Trek, uh, Two, the Wrath of Khan is probably up there with my top, maybe like three movies of, of, of my lifetime. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, it is, and uh, you know, I've been, I've gone to every opening ever since, and um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I got into it. So that's awesome. Sorry, David's making faces because he hates Wrath of Khan so much. <laughs> oh, I gotta go. I'm hanging up this call right yeah, now. He's done. <laughs> ruined it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely not my favorite. <laughs> no. Um, I I haven't checked it out yet, but I think Paramount just released that new 4K uh, of the motion yes. picture. It's streaming. Um, God, that I just want to watch that 10 minute, uh, you know, Kirk going around the ship pass in 4K. That would look amazing. Yeah, it is beautiful. I watched it the, the, the moment that they released it, and yeah, it is stunning. And when you really watch it, you know, the, unfortunately that movie doesn't get the... Um, I think it's, it's, it's become beloved over time, but, you know, years ago it was kind of considered the quote-unquote boring Star Trek. But man, it is... I think it is a brilliant movie, and it, now it, it, it looks perfect. And so, yeah, I, I really, really glad they released the 4K version of it. Yeah. And it's a, a director's cut too. Like, are there noticeable yeah. differences? Do you feel it's better, worse, same? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a, they, they add a few seconds here and there on the ends of um, uh, certain scenes that kind of help it sort of transition a little bit better. Um, and then they, they're probably the, I mean, I think the, uh, the biggest scenes are near the end where they actually, you, you, you get a clear shot at, the uh, Viger, you know, what the actual the actual uh, ship looked like, and so you know, forever it was just a you just kind of saw a cloud, and that was it. And so now you kind of get shot the ship, and then okay. you know, near the near the climax, they really like punch up the graphics and all that. So, um, so yeah, you know, it, it's nothing like um, you don't see Han Solo walking with Jabba the Hutt like <laughs> yeah. <down> the- <laughs> 
Fortunately, there's none of that that like they'd really try to add something that changes the story. They just really enhance the story there. Okay. And I think they did a brilliant, brilliant job at it. So. That's awesome. I have to go watch that now. Well, and I think this year is the 40th anniversary of Wrath of Khan. I think they're doing a like a yeah. um they're gonna like re-release it in theaters again for yes, a limited time. A limited run, I think. It, yeah, that'd be fun. Wait, so I have to just 20 seconds. Why do you not like Wrath of Khan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David. I don't think I've ever heard that in my lifetime. Oh, every time, every time we have someone on. Okay, so <laughs> short, concise answers, David. Um. I will actually flip that around because every time we have somebody on who says they love Rathacon, I ask them what it is you love about Rathacon. What is it about the story or the characters or anything actually in the movie that you love? Not your feelings about, oh, wow, they made another movie out of Star Trek and I didn't think they ever would. Because I get that. But the movie itself doesn't seem to coalesce well. It doesn't travel well. It's not edited well. It's not paced well. I don't like Khan as a villain. He doesn't seem like he's a challenge. Like, it's this whole um, anywho, what is it you love about Rathacon? That's really what I want to know because I have yet to have a really good answer from anyone. <laughs> this isn't about me. It's about you. So. <laughs> that is the best answer. I love that. <laughs> That's good. Well, I, I have lots of answers to that, but I don't want to dominate the uh, the conversation. But okay, thank you for sharing it. Uh, I'll I'll tweet all kind of hate towards you. Um, <laughs> Later. He's not on Twitter, so you could say whatever you want. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. It's fair. I'm not on Twitter. I'm on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, but Uh, I'll I'll be glad to go toe to toe if you want. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) I love I love a friendly competition. (laughs) Nice. Who said anything about friendly? (laughs) Yeah, David's just wrong. It's fine. (laughs) Um. What, then do you have any favorite uh, characters, favorite series? Um, do you try to stay caught up on all the new stuff? Um, you know, when um, when Next Generation came out, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because I had been looking forward to it for so long. I mean, like, you know, it was pre-internet. So when mm-hmm. I had gotten word that um, it was coming out, I had bought a Star Trek calendar, and for a whole year I was, clicking down the day by day for the That's release. Awesome. I had, to, I had a date and, and I was counting it down. And, um, somehow a friend of mine had gotten me, it was like a copy of a copy of a copy, but, but it was like a production, like the next generation Bible. Right. And, and it wasn't for the public, but somehow, I don't know, you know if he killed someone for, it, I don't know what happened, but somehow, <laughs> I got this illegal copy of like, it was a thick, you know, on a binder and it was uh, clearly it was Xerox copies of the whole, you know, the whole Bible of the show. And so I just combed over that thing um, every day until the countdown of that show. And so um, now that being said, I was still like everyone else. I was very skeptical and very hesitant that how could they possibly replace, you know, the, the original series and Kirk and all that. So so for the longest time during it, I was still a Kirk was on number one and, and Picard was fine. But, you know, during the, the seven year run, like somewhere it just shifted. I was like, this is incredible. And Picard is my guy now. And um, I, I could not believe it, it just really astonished, especially when you, when you look into, and I'm sure you all kind of know the 
the um, tumultuous sort of, you know, um, from the movies to Next Generation and just how many things could have gone wrong, you know, that, oh, yeah. that, mm. that you know, it, it certainly couldn't, shouldn't have been the success that it was, but, um, but the fact that they were able to really pull that off and at that level for so long, for seven years, whatever, um, was just amazing. So um, I definitely love all the other series, and I you know, really enjoyed them. Enterprise, and eh, I'm not crazy about it, but um, it's fine, you know, um, when it's just sort of on the background. But um, but Next Generation definitely um, was probably my favorite series, and it you know still it still is. I you know whenever I watch them, I'm just like this is just great television. Yeah. So Picard, Picard, and, and Data. I think those those two and um, you know their relationship and Data's journey and all that sort of stuff is just has been so spectacular. Yeah, and I do keep up with the new. I, I did watch the new stuff. Um, I'm an episode or two behind. I'm two episodes behind Picard right now, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I think I think it's been great. It's very different, but I think it's been great. And it took me a while to figure out Discovery. You know, that was um, a kind of a left turn sort of thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. first season first season I didn't love but it was fine like I thought it was okay this is different and it's a different trek but then when it went to season two and they definitely when they brought in Pike and the Enterprise and all that I really enjoyed season two forward so yeah loved that quite a bit and Lower Decks is awesome I mean I can't believe they've waited so long to really bring that sort of sense of humor to to the Trek universe and yeah. I think that's been great. Yeah, I think it's been really good. And I'm really looking forward to Strange New Worlds. And um, honestly, in the whole new era of, of everything that's been created, I think they they um, really nailed the new Enterprise. Like, I just think that mm-hmm. it's a beautiful design and that's a good marriage between the old and sort of what's to, what's to come. And um, I'm in love with that new ship design, the Constitution class. I think it's just really really great so um, but yeah i'm looking forward to to pike in the new series it looks good um yeah it just when they do those new bridge shots like it's all you know high def but it has that kind of classic paint color and the buttons and everything yeah. you're just like my god this is what it could have been you know 40 years or 50 <laughs> something right. years ago yeah it looks amazing yeah Right on. Well, thank you. Um, I I always like asking those kind of questions with guests because I want to see kind of, you know, what people have such personal stories with how they got into Star Trek or kind of what drew them to it or for whatever yeah. reason. So I, I always appreciate when when people will share their stories. So thank it's really you. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. It was also my, you know, we're, we're talking about conventions. It was my first convention to go to was a Star Trek convention. And, oh, really? Um, I, I couldn't believe like I had my brother, you know, took me to the. I had no idea what a con- I know what a convention was. I didn't know what was, was going to be there. Yeah. And um, you know, I saw Chekhov, I saw Sulu, and I could not believe they were like standing in front of me. Like it just, <laughs> it, it just blew my. You know, I was probably I don't know maybe nine or ten or something like that. It just mm-hmm. blew my mind. That, um, and I think looking back, the convention was probably quite small, but to my little brain, it looked like a, it was giant mammoth and oh, thousands, yeah. <laughs> thousands of people, which it probably wasn't, but. Um, but that was probably that was the beginning of the path for me to a lifelong of going to conventions. Yeah, no, and you're right because conventions then were just so much different. I um, I think my first convention was a Star Trek convention in like Lubbock, Texas, and yeah. James Dewan was there, and it was like maybe 200 people and like three <laughs> tables with like yeah. photos, 
And like, yeah. um, I have like a ripped off VHS of like bloopers from the first season. Yeah. And it was like the most <laughs> random stuff, but you're like, this is amazing. Cause it's just all Star Trek people. Did you buy it there? Like a bootleg? Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. I bought it there. <laughs> <laughs> I still I mean, have it somewhere. That was our internet back then. You know, you, you would yeah. go and everything that anything Trek related, it was all there, you know, so that was good. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. That was that's that, awesome. Uh, growing up all through uh, middle school, junior high and high school, I had that, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like a, it's like a three, four foot long cutaway of the constitution class, uh, the, the enterprise. Uh, but it's like a, it's kind of like a three quarter angle, but it's a cutaway where you can like st- study all the decks and you know, they, they, all that. And that's um, cool. Yeah. I just, was, I literally would just stare at that thing for hours. You know? <laughs> yeah. I had one yeah. of those with the enterprise D it's a, it's yeah. like a big oversize. It's probably like four yeah. foot by six foot poster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had that. I, that away. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So fun. Those are cool. Mm-hmm. Right on. All right. Um, well, let's dive into this episode. I know we got a lot more Star Trek to talk about. Um, what are we doing today? Gambit, Gambit Part 1. Uh, so TNG Season 7, Episode 4, Gambit Part 1, original air date October 9th, 1993. Not um, Descent. Not Descent, <laughs> not the other <laughs> not two-parter. <laughs> no. Um, so the kind of basic plot of this one is it opens with uh, they're looking for Picard. They think he's been murdered, and then um, Riker or they try to follow them. Riker gets caught up in this like um, mercenary kind of Indiana Jones space pirates thing, space pirates. and a lot of stuff happens. Um, well, let's dive in. Let's, um, Tony. I'm sure you've seen this before, but has it? When's the last time you probably watched it? Well, you know, I did watch it again uh, recently just for this podcast. But, um, uh, you know, I think it's really interesting because I, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of watch these episodes with there's like two different, I don't know, paradigms. Because the first one is, well, when you, when you watched it during the original air date or, you know, at that time, you, you're watching it in relation to first run Star Trek episodes of that era, you know? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at that time, seeing it, seeing it, um, fresh, it, it was, it was good, but it didn't really quite compare to other two parters, like, like the sense, like best, best of both worlds. And, um, you know, it didn't really feel like the stakes were like super high. Um, and, uh, I enjoyed it, but I, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't one of my favorite two-parters, you know, mm. at the same time, you're like, well, they're seven years into it. They're really trying hard to come up with something fresh and different and new. And when you kind of think about it on that terms, when you're rewatching it again, this time, it's like, oh, you know, this is like a really unique and creative episode, you know, because they just jump right into the mystery. You have no, no idea what's going on. It's sort of like a, like you mentioned, the space pirate Indiana Jones sort of thing. And, um, you know, if you're not into Star Trek and you're kind of watching it, um, it's a very, like, very different episode, you know, because Picard's, like, barely even on Enterprise. And he's, you know, and then Picard, mm-hmm. or Riker's barely on Enterprise. And then you had some power structure or power struggle thing happening with Data and Worf and all that. And um, so... Uh, so yeah, I kind of felt like, wow, like, you know, at the time when I saw it, it wasn't necessarily one of my favorites. It was fine, 
but watching it again, I was like, yeah, this is a very, like, again, seven years into it, they're really trying hard to come up with something fresh and new. And, um, it's, it, I think it's as a story, it like travels at a pretty brisk pace and it's, you know, it's relatively yeah. easy to follow. And, um, so, you know, I think they did an okay job, you know, we see the characters in places like you wouldn't expect, like the, um, the, Space cantina sort of thing. Yeah, and, the bar you know, they're, they're, yeah, yeah, the cantina yeah, yeah, scene. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to do some new things. And um, so, uh, you know, so I think they did an admirable job with them. There's a lot to really appreciate about this episode instead of episodes, I think. Yeah, it's not your typical like Star Trek show. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's yeah. like, there's a whole scene at the space cantina bar. And then it's like, yeah, Picard, like, you actually think he's dead for the good, you know, first half of this uh, first part. It's like, you don't know what's yeah. happening. Um, so it's, it's definitely very different. Absolutely. I think they, they were probably, you know, it's, it's their last season. DS nine is in full swing. They're probably prepping for Voyager. So they're like, let's just wrap. So they're just kind of throwing everything out there and seeing what sticks. Um, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a very different episode than like every other Trek episode. Oh yeah. Just that, just that whole scene in the, in the cantina or the bar, where <laughs> with where Worf's got the guy and he's like, Oh, I would feel that way too if that was my sister. And he's like, What? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, yeah, I told him how he impregnated your sister and ran away. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? That's what I like about this episode too, though, is that it does show more more aliens. That there's there's a whole other, you know, universe mm-hmm. out there besides just Starfleet. There's you know, dingy bars and mercenaries and people just making deals for a profit. And it's just not, it's not, you know, Federation stuff, which I, I've always, I want to know more about that kind of stuff, that kind of star Wars side of it. The CD side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can um, definitely see kind of star Wars influence on the episode, but which yeah. I'm sure you won't be surprised. I like this one. Um, <laughs> I it figured. does have, what? It does have a little Star Warsy, almost Firefly feel because it is just a few people on a ship kind of all vying yep. for why they're there and they have different motivations and it's a lot more, you almost get more in depth in the characters on these little, these one-time people than you did on some of the people on the Enterprise over several seasons, yeah. um, depending mm-hmm. on who we're talking about. But um, yeah, it, it, this was really cool and it had a lot of action and it was really well written. I thought this one was great paced. This kept my attention, which as Jeff and Phil know is very difficult. Um, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Yeah, I think especially the first part, because like I said, you know, we we think Picard's dead um, through a good first half of the episode. Um, and then Riker, you know, gets caught up in this and they kidnap Riker. And then he's like, OK, well, now is he part of it? I mean, obviously, we know he's faking it. But, you know, when he kind of turns on the the Enterprise at, at the end and you're like, what's going to happen? And um, which is a great cliffhanger when they just, you know, he's like firing the phasers at, at the engines and it just like stops. And you're like, oh, yeah. like great. I have to wait a week. <laughs> but it's, you know, something's going to keep it from blowing the Enterprise out. But you're like, what is oh, it? Yeah. Because it looks the shields are down the things there. So I figured it was going to be some kind of light fire or something. I did call that it was going to be targeted teletransporters uh, for the weapons. That's how they disintegrated. I'm trying to get oh, better for about the gun. that. Jeff gets uh, mad every time I call yeah. it a, tel- a teleporter. Um, <laughs> it's a transporter. <laughs> it's a transporter. Uh, but I, I did call that part. But when Picard turned around and we saw it was him, I thought for sure it was going to be some mind control thing. New alien can control minds. And mm. I was very glad that they mm. didn't go that way with it. Kind of the easy out. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a new alien and it can just make him do what you want. 
this good old fashioned I'll kill you if you don't do it. So he's under duress. Yeah. Totally well, makes he's, sense. Yeah. Well, and they don't know that he's well. Okay. Actually, let's ask David because I don't because David's memory is terrible. Picard what? takes the Picard takes the name Galen. Do you know? Do you recognize that name? <laughs> I'm sure during Phil the, does. During the headlights. No, but, Jeffrey, I, I do not. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, because so Galen is Picard's old archaeology professor that we saw in uh, the chase. Professor Galen, you're right. Professor Galen. Right. Yeah, yeah, he took that name. Yeah. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I like we get to see some different aliens in this one. We don't I don't think they ever really mentioned species for some of them. Um I don't think we ever see a lot of them again. I don't think. Unless someone else knows. No, but the one dude was really happy to be on the Enterprise where he could just order up whatever food he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> He's like these giant quarters. He's like, mm, you have something better. <laughs> like Well, and that's wasn't that the same species? that James Cromwell played in birthright that took Worf to the planet where he thought his father was. Yes. It's a, it's a good, okay. good catch. Yep. Same species. Same species. Okay. But I, I don't think we ever see them again. Do we? I don't think so. Not that I recall. Well, um, see, now I'm curious. Tony, did, did you ever like when you saw some of these aliens or like, did you ever want to see more of them? Cause it's like, that's one of the things that I don't like about star Trek is that like they'll introduce these great aliens and then we're, they're just never seen again. One and done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I kind of struggle with this because it's like, it's, it, it, de- whenever star Trek goes into this, these sort of, um, new cantina like atmospheres, um, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. um, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like Trek in some ways. Um, I, I think their wheel, their, their wheelhouse is when they're problem solving on the bridge. You know, that's just kind of like, you know, from ship, what the bridge of one yeah. ship to the bridge, of another ship, you know, that's just kind of like mm. where they, you know, I think they, they really do those that well. Um, because it, cause the cantina still felt small. I mean, honestly, it felt like it was three people in a, you know, in a, apartment studio kind of thing. And so, um, (laughs) it's, it's always tough for them to, cause there was a lot of aliens in both these episodes. And so, um, I think it is hard for them to really create that sort of rich environment that is needed to really make it, make something like that, you know, believable. And so, um, but you know, we saw it like in the movies, like uh, Star Trek three, the search for Spock when they're on the, the station, you know, and they're, mm-hmm. they're having that, that, that sort of moment in there. And, um, uh, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's because of Star Wars did it so well, or, you know, we, maybe it's the only re- frame reference we have to it is, is Star Wars. I don't know, but it's hard enough to compare it. And it's hard to, to feel like, oh, you can kind of feel the TV budget of it, you know? Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, it, it's cool. It's, it's cool and fun, but, it, it does, you kind of feel it a little bit because it doesn't feel very, like, the world building, I don't think it's, like, great. So mm. I, I definitely see what you're talking about because the budget, one and one of the times I think they did it really well in Star Trek was in the J.J. Abrams remake when he's in the <clears throat> bar and Kirk gets into the fight and yeah. you feel like that place is bustling and full. But, yeah. again, yeah, you're talking about a single episode of a network TV versus even Star Wars. Granted, it was 20 years before, but it's a full movie budget that they were trying to do it on so 
you feel kind of that difference there. I didn't think this one was bad, but it was good for what it was. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Um, what else? So, yeah, so we, we learned basically their, um, they're digging up these um, artifacts. They're looking for something. We think it's Romulan at first, at least in part one. They think it's Romulan. Um, I like how they always kind of bring up these like, oh, they're they're an ancient offshoot of Romulans. Like what they yeah. just kind of randomly bring up sometimes. <laughs> like like the there's a proto Vulcans and uh, yeah. who watches the Watchers. <laughs> kind of random stuff. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, the the only thing that bothered me in this one, which um, it, maybe I'm being a bit too critical, but it's like so the the captain of this mercenary ship has these like chips implanted in everyone and he can control them and give him pain. I was like, yeah, what if they just like swarmed him and kicked his ass? <laughs> like, I don't they could totally take over the ship. Yeah. Well, I mean, in theory, yeah, if he can think... activate all of them at once. He could debilitate them all at once. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I guess the idea is that they, the the gang still wants uh, you know profit they still like yeah. are all in it for the same reason and they feel like maybe baron baron is it baron what was the, what was the guy's name oh the uh it's baron like darren or a Duran or something yeah baron right yeah um yeah. that that he's the he's the right guy to kind of you know bring make their kind of their riches dreams come true but yeah. Uh, but yeah, in theory, someone could just sucker punch him like Picard did. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is just the much. carrot and the stick. The the pain is the stick, and then the carrot is him saying, "I'm going to make you rich. We're going to make all this money." So everybody kind of is like, "All right, well, I don't love well, that he's doing that rules. to us, but there's this good part to it. So we'll see what happens, or at least enough, yeah, to hold off." Because it wasn't until somebody a, uh, actually says you're not getting any money that they were like, uh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started questioning him. I had a premise question. I didn't quite, quite understand. Sure. So, so uh, they they mentioned that at the beginning of the episode that Picard's been missing for like a couple of weeks or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so, so as Picard described it, he was like adventuring or whatever, and then he came across this the news of this. Or, you know this uh, this raid or theft of some archaeological sites, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't know what it's for, or or he's probably I mean, probably the um, the premise that they're or at least what he's presuming is that they're doing it for some sort of financial gain or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, he doesn't know, he knows no weapons involved, right? So here is the captain of the flagship of the federation <laughs> and he just decides to just go awol for a couple of weeks right i mean imagine if like the, the captain of like a, a you know a, a nuclear you know <laughs> yeah vessel out in the united states vessel and the captain picks up like there's some sort of like you know some smugglers are doing whatever and then he just like says i'm out and just bounces for a couple of weeks like yeah. At, at what point? At what point? <laughs> at what point is Picard? Um, he literally just abandons his post to go chase these, these pirates. That, to to uh, me, it sounds like he was taken against his will. Well, no, but why was he there initially? Like, because was he, he on was vacation, there, yeah, or asking questions? He was asking yeah, too many he, questions. He was investigating so. it. He was investigating it, and that's when he got teleported. And then, 
I guess he thought quick on his feet that to try to, but my thing is that he probably, yeah, he investigated it. He got sucked into it. And then just like his, um, remember when he was, uh, visiting Riza and then there was that whole like thing, with Vosh. With Vosh, yeah, with Vosh. Then, you know, the whole yeah. archeological thing. Like that's his like specific kink. Like his whole thing is like <laughs> mm-hmm. archeological, like adventure, you know, where there's like peril and all that. And so I think he just like said, peace out. Like I'm out of this the Federation for a couple of weeks to go chase this crazy archaeological, you know, adventure. And he was loving it. Like I think him like developing this he he'd been he'd been wanting to like role play this Galen guy character forever. And um, I think he just was having to, I think he was having a time with life. <laughs> you know, the fact that he just jumped right into this whole mess, which he clearly could have figure out a way to get off that ship and call in like you know a couple dozen starships and like could have just he yeah. could have just he could have pleased the whole thing up but he wanted to solve it himself and go on this crazy adventure um mm. because I, don't, I didn't see any i didn't see any way where um anything that really justified him just leaving his post for without explaining it to anybody for a couple yeah. weeks it's he must have just, well i mean because he hasn't taken a vacation since his time on Rice, so it must have been like a vacation or something, or was he attending like a conference or something? Or they didn't well, say. That's, he heard about it and he's like, vacation time, finally. Because <laughs> I think you're right. That's exactly what he likes. He's like a vacation for him as an adventure with archaeology and asking questions and yeah, and Indiana Jonesing it up. So kind of Dixon Hill <laughs> mystery, yeah. Yeah, it just was kind of yeah. funny because I, I feel like he just he just left his post to, to go do this. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and mm. he didn't try to get a signal out or any, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't catch that. That's funny. He also may not have had the opportunity though, too. So I don't know, Maybe. but he, he definitely played the part. Cause like when he's being Galen, it's like a whole different personality. Oh, than like, yeah. It's just him and, you know, Riker. Yeah, oh, sure. he was loving it. He totally was loving it. <laughs> oh yeah. He's like he's getting like, into fights and he got to hit Riker. Yeah. Yeah. He's had time of life. And so, in fact, I, I have a um, theory that remember when they, when they all beamed aboard the Enterprise to to steal the final relic off of uh, the tall Klingon, and then oh uh, yeah, in part two, yeah, 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 in part two, and then um, for, you know Riker's supposed to like kill or you know stun whatever Picard. I think the plan was for Riker to quote unquote kill Picard and then take the relic and then go back to Galen, right, or go back to um, Baron. Right. Yeah. I think that I think that was the plan. I think Picard was like, uh uh-uh, uh, like you're not <laughs> and he jumps out of the way, stuns Riker because he I think he wanted to see it all the way through. And so yeah. I think he just had like a, a sick twisted sense of fun and was wanting to just you know no matter what, like he wanted to I ride this that. thing out. <laughs> I can see that. He's like, Nope, I'm I'm the captain. I I get to choose what's gonna happen now. Okay, and do you do you guys know who the tall Klingon is? Yes. Okay. Oh, the uh, basketball player, right? Yeah, James Worthy from the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like six nine, six nine, six ten, something like that. Yeah, he's crazy tall. <laughs> well, like Worf, Worf is tall. I mean, he's like six three. Four, Dorn's, like, yeah, like he's pretty big. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's big, and he was towering over Worf. So, <laughs> oh yeah, he was, he was enormous. That was pretty awesome. Like they should make, they should get all kinds of basketball players to play Klingons because they look, he looked so cool. 
You get like Shaq to be a like he would just be massive. <laughs> be oh, could hilarious. you imagine how awesome that would be? <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. Like just have him standing there. They don't just be like, do anything. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that'd just be amazing. Staring at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, dropping f bombs. <laughs> what else? Oh, uh, Robin Curtis is in these as well. Um, she played uh, Savick in um, Star Trek three and four. She plays a Vulcan or. Well, she's a Romulan. As far as we know, in part one, she's a Romulan in this one. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but I'm sure when they announced it, too, they are probably like, oh, Savick's coming back. And you're like, nope, uh, we tricked it. It's a completely Not different person. Well, yeah. You know, for the longest time, I like I did. I just couldn't figure out who she was. Like, I mm. it just gnawed at me forever. And yeah, you can't so tell. Familiar. Yeah, she looks so familiar. And you can tell by the voice. But um but it's really too bad that that she wasn't able to return to the universe as Savic. I, I think she's, I think she's great. I think she, you know, really plays a, a Vulcan, or uh, I think she does a good job at that. And it's too bad that she couldn't continue that character in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, because she was younger than Spock, and Spock was in TNG, so she totally could have come back. Well, I my my head cannon. Because I think there was like a deleted scene <laughs> in Voyage Home. She actually got pregnant with Spock's child in mm-hmm. three because he was going through Ponfar. So my head canon is that Spock has a child out there and that then Savick mm-hmm. is raising him. It's it, her. It Savick. <laughs> it's Savick, yeah. It's that's, Savick. that's my theory. Hmm. Uh, that's a good theory. There's, yeah. There's, who's going to prove you wrong? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I, think, I think I thought that was kind of funny with uh, with Baron is that um, I really like that actor. I can't remember his name. Um, I got to look it up real quick. Uh, yeah, he was uh, good. Uh, yeah, Richard Lynch. You know, he he was like big in the 90s. You know, he would he'd play all kinds of character uh, characters on all kinds of TV shows. Um, and I, I liked him a lot. But, man, he was like so naive because in his crew, he not only had one like double – you know, double crosser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two, two of them. Yeah, three. Yeah. There's three of them with with. Uh, oh yeah, it's with, with Riker too. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I was like, man, this guy's got to keep it like a little bit of a tighter rein on his crew because there are people double crossing all kinds of people. Yeah, he he trusts Riker a little too easily. I'm like, you've got <laughs> yeah. like two humans, like, and they it's it, it was weird. You're like, at least be a little bit more su- suspicious of him. Yeah. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> oh, I mean, um, they needed to, for the plot. They needed to move it along quickly. But yeah, he he got on Team Riker's side really quick. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Probably just because I mean, because what? Because Galen and Riker were going at. He's like, I'm I'm gonna take yeah. Riker's side. I don't like Galen anyway. Yeah. I'm like fuck yeah. Galen. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I think a couple people die in this one. We we have a, a kill tracker. Uh, yes, we track we how many deaths there are. <laughs> um, yes, yes. I know do. there's at least one of the security team, and I think at least in part one, there's just one death, or does there also one of the like mercenaries dies? Um, I don't remember. No, I don't. I don't think we lose any mercenaries in the first part. Okay. So, hey. They say that they lost somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see it. It was the uh, uh, Robin Curtis's character refers to it, but I don't think we see anyone till 
Talera, Talera is her name, I guess. Talera. Yeah, because she, she, yeah, because she comes back and says, "Oh, we, we lost somebody, but we never see that." So. Uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, before the episode. So. Could be, yeah. So we, we at least get one confirmed death by the, one of the security people gets shot. I think. So there's at least one. Pew pew. So David, you have to add that to our. Our list plus, plus one pew pew. Calculating, calculating. Yes, calculating. don't don't forget the uh, yeah because we because because we lost a few in the previous episode in uh, in interface as well. So you had all those up. Oh, speaking right. of uh, speak, speaking of, I, I love a good gunfight scene in Star Trek, but it always cracks me up because they're like fifteen feet away from each other. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're just like can't hit each other and it's so funny with with a phaser because it's not just a, it's not just a blast it's a beam so you literally can fire it and kind of like aim it. it you could just sort of sweep it you know you know but they mm-hmm. you know no one got hit and it was just like all right oh, yeah come on i think i saw this is like one of the longest there this is the longest phaser battle in in tng there's just yeah. like constant like blast after blast yeah like, I always yeah, like because they like, decided to be stormtroopers and they can't hit anything. So. <laughs> yeah, no one got it. Yeah. I always like all the stunt work when like Riker just like full body dives behind this tiny ass rock. <laughs> like that. Like, all right, mm. I have our numbers. Okay, so we have one from this one. So what does that bring us up to? We do. We have TOS. We have our sixteen fifty as always. That's some TOS. Uh, we have fifteen. I'm sorry, five thousand and twelve Borg. Uh, not the 5,004 anymore, unfortunately. Boom, true. And then now we have 18,087 deaths in TNG thus far, bringing our Star Trek total death count to 24,749 souls lost. Beautiful. That's a lot. A lot of people die in space. A lot of people die in space. It's very dangerous. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, so the part one ends with... Um, yeah, Riker gets the shields down to the Enterprise, and then they shoot the phasers at it, and then it like freeze frames. So that's gets that good cliffhanger until the next one. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like, well, did they? An- okay, obviously that the 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 cast and crew knew that this was their last season, but did they announce like this was going to be the last season? So like, where people were like, are yeah. they going to blow the ship up? Or are they going to like, or were they not sure if they were going to kill kill uh, some characters? No, I I believe that when they announced the final season, that Generations not that long after was announced. Yeah, because they filmed that like right after the season ended. Yeah, like, they, they were right they moved into right into it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's end part one on that, um, and we'll see where it goes from there. But what? Um, let me ask David. And I this was probably your first time watching part one. I'm guessing. Yes. Um, both what's parts, your actually. what's your uh, Devo meter? Because I know you're <laughs> you're you have a scaled Devo meter uh, depending on two parters. It that is kind of fluctuates. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm liking the two parters more a bit lately. The one that we just had at the end of season six was good, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying this one as well. I'm going to give this an eight because I think oh. it was a pretty good setup. Okay. Uh, I wasn't like I said I wasn't able to predict how Picard was being controlled. We all knew it was him and. And so on. Uh, but it had its well that that goes into the second part, but they did a good reveal of him. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. it never occurred to me to think, oh, like, why is he out here doing this? They just kind of said he's out here doing this. And I figured it was kind of he started on a vacation and then got taken and then went from that. But there's like, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I ran with it. I'm like, he's shown enough of that kind of 
like you said, archaeology, Indiana Jones, crazy He's so far. So yeah. I was willing to run with that. So yeah, eight, I'll say. Okay. Nice. All right. Fair. Um, uh, Tony, so since you, I mean, because I know you said that you kind of changed a little bit watching it now. Do you feel you like it better now or just you have a different perspective on it now, this episode? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I I mean, I definitely appreciating it more the farther I get away from it. Because again, I think out of all the two-parters, it probably is one of my least favorite out of the two-parters. But I think, mm-hmm. again, um, but, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, there's a saying for uh, the the TV show Friends, which I'm a big fan of. Even when it's pretty bad, it's still pretty good. So, you know. <laughs> yep. Uh, even bad Star Trek is still Star Trek. Yeah, mm-hmm. even bad Star Trek is great. It's good Star Trek. So, um, and again, I don't think this is far from bad. I think there are definitely some individual episodes that would be categorized as not so great Star Trek. But um, but this one certainly is not bad. Um, but I just think when you compare it to other two-parters, it's not as strong. But I really. Yeah. I, again, for the reasons I've restated, I really appreciate it. I thought it was um, pretty pretty good, pretty solid, and um, it's fun to see the cast do different things that they don't normally do. So, yeah. you know, so I, yeah, I'd probably give it like a seven or something like that. So. Okay, that's that's pretty yeah. strong. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Right on. Phil, I know you've seen this before, but what's your seeing it now again? I mean, have you, when's the last time that you watched this? Um, it honestly, I probably couldn't tell you. It's been, it's part of just my normal rewatch cycle. But mm. since we've stopped that, or since I've stopped that, since we started doing the podcast, um, it's probably been several years now. Um, but yeah, Gambit's one of my favorite episodes. I I love the two parter. I like how it it meshes together. The story is good, and yeah, like the other guys were saying, any any time that they get to play characters other than they're the standard characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a good episode, whether it's data's head back in San Francisco in the 1800s or <laughs> if it's here. Yeah. Anytime they get to be somebody different, it's, it's usually a good episode and this one's the same. They get to yell and fight with each other and beat the crap out of each other. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. We're on. Yeah. It's definitely good. And I think this is probably a better two parter as far as the like it's it, it felt like one long story and they're just like oh we have to cut it right here it's not yeah, like yeah. a definitive you know and it was just one big long story which i liked yeah it's definitely better you can tell when they know that there's going to be two parts the other ones where they've kind of like had to end in a, a series and then maybe have to pick it up the next one it feels like it's not as planned out so this I, feels I like my, it has more i think my biggest complaint and this kind of leads into part two is that um I didn't think that the threat was really fully realized, you know, like we just, but mm-hmm. in, the, in the last, as we, you know, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but I don't think we really saw the full capabilities and really felt the threat of what, when this artifact comes together, mm-hmm. like they say, it's say it's mm-hmm. bad, but like, mm-hmm. like what's, you know, we really don't get uh, understanding of the scope or the threat of it. And then secondly, I feel like Baron kind of gets the short end of it where, you know, he died quickly with the, was getting you know um, zapped by Picard, but or by himself, I guess. But um, I felt like he should have probably been in the cave at the end to sort of like you know see, see what together. Yeah, because yeah. because uh, I felt like we, we we you know he was such an antagonist the whole time, and then three quarters of the way through part two, he he dies, and then mm. 
so I just I do feel like that the the threat and then the um you know the, as you all talk about stakes like what's at stake you know like I feel like that that wasn't really a you know uh, and again we'll talk about it but I feel like we talked about the gambit part one and two the um the overall stakes I don't feel like are really as high as some of the other you know two parters that we've seen you know sure so, mm-hmm. you know. that's fair that makes sense yeah, that makes no sense. it does okay. Yeah, well, then we'll dive into that one in part, part two. two. Um, yeah. Well, let's do this. Uh, Tony, where can people find you online? And then also, where can people find Hero Within? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, crazy, the number four Comic-Con, crazy for Comic-Con, where I tweet about all kinds of my shenanigans at conventions all over. And then uh, Hero Within, you could just basically go to our website, herewithinstore.com, and then if you just search all the socials for here within um you'll you'll find us so yeah yeah and it's definitely worth it because you, you guys have some great stuff so i yeah. i support it yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> we, we have uh we released a, we released a bunch of new uh star trek uh, merchandise over wondercon and star trek mission chicago and then we've got uh, a lot more coming out this year so for any uh, trek fans you know stay tuned do you guys absolutely. have any more cons or appearances coming up yeah, we're going uh, next month. We're going to Phoenix Fan Fusion. I believe it's over Memorial Day weekend, and then uh, we're gearing up for San Diego Comic Con in July. The big one. Yep. Nice. Yeah, and then we'll be at uh, the the previous Star Trek convention that's now called the the fifty sixth year, year mission. mission. Yeah. Oh, in and, Vegas. Oh, we'll be there. In Vegas. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We will be there. And, yeah. And. Uh, uh, a few days before that, we'll be at Emerald City as well, so it will be another Ooh. back-to-back weekend for us. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'll good. be busy. So you guys are staying busy then. That's good. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, so go go check out Here Within. It's, uh, like I said, I, I cannot say enough good things about it because I, I love those pants and I love the jacket. I'm excited <laughs> for the khakis to, to come in, the other new ones. Yeah. Okay. Those are good. Um, all right, let's end part one on that. Um uh david you do our thing and then we'll be out of here for this one all right yeah check us out at nerdtrekpodcast.com or at thenerdtrek.com where we have links to all of our social media sites you can see our smiling faces in the meet the nerds section you can buy some of our stuff at cafe press and we will appreciate it uh we are also now on a new uh we have stuff on a new site right what is that called again jeff bonfire bonfire so we also have our stuff (laughs) on bonfire it don't throw it in a bonfire it's on the site called bonfire <laughs> uh, but you can get some stuff with our logo on it on there and then whenever you are done going rogue on some crazy ass mission you can give us a five-star rating and review and we'll read that out over the air perfect thank you everyone for listening we do appreciate it uh and we'll catch you on the next one bye everybody see ya uh-huh.